there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Hi, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hello and welcome back to the Weekside Podcast. I'm Jenny Brentis. I'm here with Connor Orr, as always. Although I hear a rumor that Connor's daughter may soon be my new co-host, which I'm really pushing for to happen. Um, and I think that the listeners would enjoy that as well. What do you think, Connor? Yeah, so we were uh, the other day, my wife and I looked, you know, we're both working in the kitchen living room space. And we looked and we're like, where did the baby go? And we uh, heard her rustling around in the office down the hallway. We opened the door. She was up in the podcast chair with the microphone. And she said, I'm talking to Jenny. So, uh, you know, she's ready to go. I, and I think that she's had some fair complaints about my performance on the last few podcasts. And, and she's ready to stick her nose in and uh, and give it a shot. So, you know, I'm all for it. You know, she's uh, she's ready, you know. Well, we were testing it out behind the scenes, but unfortunately, <laughs> the cat's out of the bag. So we'll be uh, we'll be sure to announce any relevant changes in the coming weeks. But uh, as long as we have one or on the podcast, I think we're in good shape, right? No matter who it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've 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 been feeling the pressure. Um, you know, I, she's been nipping at my heels now for a long time, and it's it's a natural passage of time. You know, it's like what didn't uh, the younger Golik take over for the older Golik on ESPN Radio? So the, the, this kind of stuff happens in the business you know there you go very gracious for you wanting your daughter to have an opportunity (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, we are recording today on Monday afternoon, and as of now, the full rules for the NFL's return to camp, return to play, all the protocols have not yet been worked out yet. So we are going to delay discussing that until there's a little bit more of a tangible resolution. I will say that it's kind of crazy we're at this juncture in time without things getting worked out. Obviously, when you know, the time comes and there's a lot of pressure and there's a deadline. That's usually when agreements get reached. Um, but over the last few months, you know, the NFL has been intent on moving forward. And I think now we're at the point in time where it's like, well, if you want to move forward, you need to have worked out X, Y, and Z. And I think the country is probably in a different place than most of us expected we would be in in mid-July. Um which I think should have been factored into any any plans moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if the, you know, I'm sure we all thought, you know, this is going to get better. But if you're the NFL and you have a disaster preparedness team and you're as steeped in politics and the realities of our current political situation as they are, um, you didn't think maybe this was a possibility that like things were going to get worse and we might not embrace the virus, uh, especially in an election year when it might hurt somebody's poll numbers. I don't know. I mean, you know, this is the kind of stuff that there are people making a lot of money that they're that's their job to anticipate. And while I don't know if it's totally fair to say the NFL had this long head start and they blew it, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think part of that is true. But the the anticipatory part of it that, hey, well, everything will be better by July. I mean, whoever's job that was, I mean, wow. I mean, you know, you really need to be a little bit more aware of the current situation here. I mean, you know, this is we're not going to have high school football in Texas this year. We're not going to have high school football in California this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida is one of the worst um, states right now in terms of surging cases. So we in the three biggest high school football states in the country, we might not have high school football. Like, think about that. Um, and, you know, here here's the NFL 10 days before training camp saying, well, OK, I guess we got to start figuring some of this out. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we do. Absolutely. And I agree with you, Connor. It's a little bit more nuanced than saying simply the NFL had a head start and it blew it. But you have the players on the eve of camp feeling concerned for their safety, rightly so, having a coordinated social media campaign. So obviously that's unacceptable. You know, it's uh, we've expressed our concerns through the process about the league's desire to just kind of forge ahead with this plan to play. But if you're going to do that, you need to make sure you have everything buttoned up. And it's clear that that is not the case. Um, did you notice, by the way, that, uh, you know, there were most of the players who did the the post as it seemed to be written, right? I mean, there, there was a framework, right, of, of a general post um, that the players expressing concern for their safety. But then there was like one or two players who, uh, you know, it's almost like they adjusted the post so as not to look like they were one of the players posting, but so they could pacify both the NFLPA and maybe their, I don't know, let's say uh, red meat favoring uh, fan base. Uh, Maybe we'll leave it at that. But I would encourage people to look at some of the posts because there is sort of that union vibe from all the players. And then there's, you know, sort of that... Uh, there are good people on both sides sort of posting that's been going on from some people, which I thought was interesting, especially given uh, what has been happening in the recent past. So uh, good to keep an eye on if you're fellow players too. Uh, make sure you know uh, who's posting what. So, 
Okay, well, now I'm extremely curious. I was trying to lay a little bit low on social media this weekend. So I did see some of the posts, but I didn't um, really linger as much as maybe I should have. So now I've got to go back. I, I do enjoy when Connor drops some clues on things. Uh, <laughs> generally, there's a, an interesting result on the other side. Um, <laughs> there are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights speaking in public the list of fears is endless but while you're clutching your blanket in the dark wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel and while you might think a great white shark is scary what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving eyes forward don't drive distracted brought to you by nitsa and the ad council MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But uh, so since everything is not resolved yet, we're going to come back to this later in the week and talk a little bit more in depth about where things stand. But one topic we have not covered on the podcast that is very important and top of mind for everyone in the NFL is the Washington Post story last week that was written by Will Hobson and Liz Clark. And it was a very thoroughly reported investigation into the culture in the Washington NFL team. 
they spoke to uh, more than 40 people, current and former team employees, and 15 former Washington employees told the newspaper that they were sexually harassed during their time at the club. One spoke on the record, and the other 14 spoke under the condition of anonymity. They were afraid that the NDA agreements they signed with the team um, would have legal consequences, and the team also refused to release them from those NDAs, which NDAs are incredibly problematic and should not exist in any company or industry, and that's certainly something that has come to light. It's been a push of several media unions in the last year. Uh, it's a Elizabeth Warren pushed for it during the um, the, the, the debates this spring uh, for the primaries, so it's certainly an important issue as well. But Really, a bright light shined on um, what the culture can be inside some NFL teams. And the amount of uh, women willing to speak to the outlet to detail their experiences, which is not an easy thing to do, um, was really stunning, Connor. I mean, that this was so widespread um, and that there were so many corroborating accounts for um, what they shared. And in addition to the team employees, there were two reporters, two female reporters um, who spoke on the record, um, both uh, Rhiannon Walker, who works for The Athletic, and Nora Princiati, who works for The Ringer now, um, who detailed their experiences with one team employee um, acting inappropriately towards them and the sexual harassment that they experienced. Um, Certainly, this report, I think Connor has had uh, waves throughout the league. I think there's a lot of people that are questioning their conduct, that are wondering if it's happening in their organizations. Um, I mean, I, I know of some of that that's going on, but I certainly hope that it's widespread. I hope these conversations are taking place in every building. Uh, I hope there is a reckoning. Um, I hope this is not one of those things that generates a lot of attention when it first comes out, but then fades uh, to the back, which all too often happens in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just to say the bravery associated with, and, and I've talked to male colleagues and female colleagues about um, this story since it's come out. And I think the thing that blows my mind to this point still is the insane bravery that it takes to detail uh, that kind of brand of harassment that happens to you for so many reasons, right? I mean, this is still, as far as we've come as a society, not a culture that's uh, friendly and arms wide open when it comes to women detailing these issues, even though they're prevalent across, you know, any industry. And to, to, to know the blowback and to, uh, you know, uh, anticipate the blowback that you're going to get um it and still be willing to stick up for all of your fellow uh female employees uh, who who want football you know to be an inclusive environment you know this is a game that's changing it's not this boys club that started in the 1920s this is these are big businesses and you know I don't know. I, I was I was amazed by their bravery, their grace in sharing these stories, and I, I, like you said, I hope we can look at it and think, okay, because it, it's not just the the top of the iceberg stuff. It's not the headline grabbing things. It's what's below the surface. 
did I ever do anything that made somebody uncomfortable? Uh, is there a way that I acted that, and, and just that self inventory, that self reflection, that's what this time is for. You know, ask yourself, read this and say, beyond the extreme things that are in here, what have I done to maybe make a female employee feel less comfortable, a coworker to feel less comfortable, less included, less involved? And, you know, is there a way to rectify that situation? And, you know, people just get immediately defensive when stuff like this comes out, when all anyone is asking is to take stock, you know, ask yourself uh, what your hand in this has been. Have you ever done anything like this, do you know somebody? Do, you know, are you enabling the behavior of somebody that's acting like this? And you know, you hope that the brilliant reporting here, the bravery from the women coming forward, can can lead to some change. Yeah, and I think what you described, Connor, the reaction generally is one of two things: it's either defensiveness, um, you know, I couldn't have been a part of this, or blaming the women, or some combination of those things. Um, And the other response that I've encountered a little bit is very well-meaning men who don't understand how this is possible because they've never acted in this way, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that the the combination of those two things can sometimes make it difficult because there are a lot of well-meaning men that have cannot fathom experiencing sexual harassment or cannot fathom delivering sexual harassment, and so. They may be unaware that it's going on or how pervasive it is because it's not something that they can fully understand. Um, And so I think that there's a lot that needs to be done to break through kind of these cultures that are so persistent. Um, I, I, I think about the way that there's been a lot of really positive developments with anti racist readings, anti racism education. And I think that same effort would be really helpful if applied to misogyny, um, if applied to harassment. Uh, I think looking at something under the context of saying you've been raised in a society and there may be things that you've unconsciously absorbed that you don't realize that you're doing, um, or maybe there are ways that you can actively work against the problem more, even if you don't believe you're part of the problem. I think those two steps would go a long way. The other concern that I have with how this is being handled is, of course, the fact that Washington has hired the outside investigator. Yes, it's an outside person that has experience doing workplace investigations, but when you're hired by Washington, that immediately compromises your ability to do the job. And I was really surprised by that. I was surprised that the NFL just seemed to say, hey, we'll listen to what the outside investigator that they've hired finds and we'll act accordingly. Um, that to me is not a strong enough response. Um, you know, especially for an organization that when in, uh, confronted by these allegations before the story went to press, did decline to release women from the NDAs. And so you have a lot of questions about how that will be handled in the investigation process um, and the continued unwillingness to perhaps acknowledge the behaviors and the culture that leaders, particularly Daniel Snyder, um, are responsible for allowing to persist. It's funny because, and I don't ever want to equate this with winning and losing, and I I hope uh, 
keep me keep me on tr- uh, on on the rails here on this. But like, if you're the CEO of a company, um, especially a company that is judged by wins and losses, it's just stupid to not care about this kind of stuff. Like, a, a united organization is a successful organization, and you know, I I think that that's fairly true across the board. And like, why wouldn't you want to make your company better and less toxic? And you know, and across the board, and you know the stubbornness when it comes to anything, but especially something as serious as this blows my mind. You know, this is actively an organization that is just devouring itself from the inside. And, you know, if you come to work uncomfortable every day, that's going to affect everything, everything around you. If you come to work as somebody who makes other people uncomfortable, it's going to affect everybody around you. And it's like, why, why do we have such a blind spot for this as compared to any other thing that is affecting, you know, uh, the, the wellness of the company you know you know what i'm saying and it's Mm -hmm. just like why wouldn't you care about this i mean like you said hiring a a non-independent investigator is just going to tell you exactly what you want to hear and you're going to move on and you're going to keep having this toxicity fester in your organization and so to me that doesn't make sense it's just like the 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 lack of willingness to get better on any front is startling but especially this front i think is like one of those things it's like why are we still holding out um the idea that this isn't important or i don't need to be bothered by this i think that's exactly right connor because look at the ease at which comp or uh, nfl teams organizations try to cleanse themselves from a coach that lost a lot right there's this immediate like we're gonna go change everything we always laugh about the ping pong tables and the pool tables in the (laughs) locker room they either go in or they go out whatever the opposite of the previous coach was right there's always this commitment that we're restarting we're building something new here um, because teams believe that that has a direct impact on wins and losses and the way that female employees are treated in an organization, people say, oh, maybe they're business side employees and they're not coaching. But what people fail to realize is that that will make you less likely to have a healthy culture, as you said, that affects everybody. And there are women who serve in football side roles. There's female coaches, there's female scouts, uh, female executives on the football side, uh, female PR officials, female trainers, uh, any aspect of the organization. So the idea that this this doesn't affect how successful your team is 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 a backwards notion but also the idea that this is just something separate and that it shouldn't be treated with the same care as the culture that a head coach installs is incredibly frustrating yeah frustrating on multiple ends and you know Speaking of which, I mean, the head coach is basically the only one that's come out and talked about this. And all this right. stuff happened before he got there, you know? And yeah. uh, for for it's, it's mind-boggling to me that somebody would be, uh, you know, blessed enough to own an NFL franchise and to spend this little time being emotionally invested in how the organization's perceived uh, and, and how the organization functions. I mean... NFL coaches, as we've seen time and time again, are not equipped to talk about this kind of stuff as much as we wish that they were. There's always that 
uh, fall back. What did Ron Rivera say? Well, my daughter works for the team, so I want it to be better. You know, there's always that male, um, that immediate male twitch to go, well, I have a daughter, I have a mom, I have a a, a sister or a grandmother. And it's like, you're missing the point, you know, (laughs) it's it. And to force Ron to just be the only person to talk about this and to come out and be the voice of this, I think has been ridiculous and absurd. And if anybody thinks that this does not affect everything that's going on, you're out of your mind. If you work for a company, even if you work for, uh, I'm not going to list a company to infer that something is going on there, but say you work at a massive corporation with hundreds of thousands of employees, if there is a reputation for sexual assault or uh, anything that makes employees feel uncomfortable in one corner of the office, that is going to affect the way that everything works because it's what you feel when you walk in the door. It's that vibe. It's that unconscious uncomfortability, um, uh, you know, whatever it is you want to call it. And that exists. That's a real thing. And if you think that doesn't matter, look at the successful organizations and football and anywhere in business, see how they treat their employees and look at the unsuccessful ones. And it's fairly easy, I would guess, to, uh, to pluck out the good from the bad and how they react to things like this. Yeah, and let's go back to the owner for a second because I think this is really an important point. As you said, didn't pu- comment publicly, like didn't do any interviews, right? Um, wrote an inadequate letter to team employees that didn't apologize to the women. Just a complete abdication of responsibility, in my opinion. There's no way that you can't take this head on. And this is one of many things. This is not just one incident, right? I mean, in 2018... There was the revelation that a team executive uh, sold access to Washington cheerleaders. I'm reading from the Washington Post story. They referenced the previous reporting by the Times um, as part of premium suite packages, right? That happened in 2018. Then we have the situation with the team name where it was only pressure from sponsors that forced him to change it. Um, You know, Michael Rosenberg and I reported on this sham foundation that he created that didn't follow through on the mission that it said it was and essentially was a PR push for allowing them to keep the name. Um, And then you have this, right? You have uh, rampant sexual harassment within the organization on your watch. And you know what coaches always say, Connor, you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. So let's apply that football standard to the football team owner, right? So... I just, uh, if you're another owner in the league, I don't know how there isn't pressure. And when I read the NFL statement Friday morning after the story came out, I thought, you know what? They're not going to do anything. That He's just going to be allowed to keep the team. And I think there have been too many knocks against him. Sexism, harassment, um, racism, uh, affiliated with either him or team employees. But that all, he should answer to all of that, right? Um and I don't know why there aren't consequences. And I think it's ridiculous that that there isn't a consequence, that there isn't more pushback on that. Um, and I think it's uh, it's incredibly disappointing that I thought I thought the league's response was disappointing, Connor. And not that this matters, but one of the most universally sort of disliked owners. Uh, I mean, somebody that if you went back and you trace the lineage of the last. 25 years of rapid growth in football. I mean, you know, anything that you read, it's not like this person is a champion of any of innovation of any kind that is helping drive this league forward. And I say that because it's like, why are they 
why are they choosing this hill to die on? Why are they picking this guy to defend and say we're not going to do anything about? You know, I mean, they should mm-hmm. do any they should they should do the right thing regardless, but they're I don't know, uh, hesitancy, whatever you want to call it, lack of a plan um is especially strange considering that, you know, why why this guy? Why are you sticking up for this guy, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. And, and it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, I would, I would guess that you could tell the story of the NFL over the last 25 years with or without Daniel Snyder. It's not like this, is, he is a person that is integral to um, this, the last 25 years of NFL football. And, and at least in, at least in my opinion. And uh, so I, I, I'm just surprised that you know, there isn't more of a push to say, you know what? I mean, we can be a better league without this guy, you know? And why don't we just put someone in who's going to care about anything? I mean, any aspect of the team culture so that we can stop every four years having some sort of Washington-based mega, mega, um, you know, issue. And, you know, like you said, this isn't the first time. This isn't the second time. This isn't the third time. And so why why are we defending this guy? You know, I, I really don't get it. Yeah. And we continue to see a lack of consequences from the league office or at least pressure um, or at least strong public statements when it pertains to owners. You know, we, we saw the Saints and owner Gail Benson have ties to the Catholic Church uh, pedophilia crisis. Um Robert Kraft with the massage parlors in Florida. Um, Snyder. Uh, I mean, obviously, Jerry Richardson sold the team when the allegations came out directly against him. But I think the, the, the standard for there to be some kind of change or some kind of push for from the league, like they, they have a very like high metric that they are they need to meet for. And I don't know exactly what that that level is, that they would something would rise to the level of them commenting on it. But it just seems like the NFL has really retreated from this personal conduct policy, particularly as it comes to owners. Um, and I think the uh, after the craft situation, it seems some around the league at least believe that that was kind of a softening of how the personal conduct policy was applied. Um, and so I think when you see situations continue to happen, um, if you're not like if you're not standing up against it more forcefully, if, if you're allowing owners to create cultures that are unfriendly, I mean, I got to be honest with you, Connor. Like this kind of stuff um, brought up a lot of you know feelings for me in terms of like yeah I faced a lot of this my my career right not I not did not team employee and I was not you know the the, the the women who are working for the team and have those experiences from their employees are different but more along the lines of what the two female reporters spoke up against you know we've if you're a woman who works in this business you're on the receiving end of inappropriate behavior all the time and you have to make these difficult navigations through that because you need sources for stories. You need to be able to do your job. And I think seeing this happen and just feeling like the response by both the team and the league was inadequate kind of makes me not want to cover the NFL. It kind of makes me not interested. You know, Um, it's really this kind of behavior overall over the last decade has really reduced my enjoyment of football of the NFL and everything associated with it and I think this story brought up a lot of similar feelings for women across the business and I think that's really like it makes me sad 
I I couldn't agree more. And it's just like, you know, for me, this will be this is not going to come out exactly the way that I want it to come out. And I'm just going to be honest. But, you know, for me, and hopefully for everybody that read that story, every man that read that story and read some of the um, the coverage that came out from it, there was something that stuck with you that's like, holy crap, I don't have to worry about this in my life. You know, I don't have to experience this in my life. And listening to reporters talk about the thought that goes into how they need to dress before they go into the building. And it's like, it was heartbreaking to me, you know what I mean? And that that is part of your internal calculus when for, God, the 10 years that I've been doing this job, I've just been throwing on a crappy sweatshirt and jeans and walking in there and didn't have to think twice about it, like the privilege that that is that I don't even realize, you know? And I'm hoping that everybody just caught something that stuck with them and just is embedded into the back of their brain to say, hey, the next time that I say, well, hey, it's a man's world and they need to do blah, 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 you know, just think about that, those little things that are going to stick in the back of your mind to say, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I have no idea what that's like. I have no idea about, you know, the bravery it took to even try to do something like this, knowing all the obstacles in your way and still doing it. And, you know, that's that's what people are asking for right now is to is to let that stick in your mind and 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 do that self-evaluation, you know? And I hope that more people do, you know, and I don't know. It's uh, it, it's a bad day for the business. It's a bad day for the sport. And, you know, for fans thinking, hey, this doesn't matter. This doesn't affect me. You're, you're dead wrong. I mean, it affects all aspects of life. And the NFL, once again, could be one of these great businesses that sticks up for things that is on the forefront of societal change. This stuff is happening whether people like it or not. You know, the, the, the revolution is on the way. You know, we are more cognizant than ever about how we're treating people, how we, you know, all this kind of stuff. And to just say that I sat by and treaded water while this was all happening is gross for a billion dollar industry. But this affects all of us. And just, you know, if we wake up on an individual level, like we've seen with uh, the recent sort of uh, the protests and all that stuff, we can enact change. And sometimes that's just thought patterns. And hopefully, at the end of my long rambling point is this, it's just alter these thought patterns, think about things, read that story again and stick one of these things into the back of your mind and say that these people are are real. They're real people. These are real problems. This is happening where you work too and think about it. And uh, I don't know, that's my rambling point. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that's exactly right, Connor. Like just being w- willing to acknowledge that you might have thought patterns that are subconscious that have been learned in a patriarchal society and put in the work to unlearn them and that there may be things that you're doing that are totally unconscious and that you've simply absorbed by living in the society similar to how we're doing as white people right Connor like we need to recognize the fact that we're living in a society where we are are part of this systemic racism and we need to self-correct and identify our behaviors that may be contributing to that perpetuation of that system. Um, And so I think that approach has been 
really helpful, I hope, for a lot of people, over, especially over the last few months. I mean, hopefully for longer than that, but especially over the last few months. And I think that's a really great way to look at it when you're saying like, well, I'm not part of the problem or it can't be me or I don't think that way. But open your mind a little bit and think that there may be things that have been ingrained when, in you. And I think, you know, the women that spoke up, whether they did so on the record or anonymously, both the team employees and the reporters had a lot of courage. Um, these are their careers, and there could be an impact on their careers for saying something. And they did not put that first, right? They put first what was right and trying to change the culture. And so I think the best way to recognize that effort is for everyone to kind of do an examination and to to think about ways in which they may be perpetuating uh, a culture like this in in your workplace. So, Think about the flip side of it for a second, right? If you're just a cisgender white dude like me um, and this bothers you and it gets you upset, um, think about it this way. I'm upset because if things change because of this, I won't be able to do X. And what is X? Like, make terrible jokes. Make my coworkers feel uncomfortable. Objectify my coworkers. Talk about the way my coworkers are looking, uh, what they're wearing at work. I mean, you know, that's what you're being asked not to do. That's it. That does not seem difficult. And if, and if that is the main reason that you like to go to work every day or, you know, that that's the company that you love to go and work for because you get to do that, then I think you need to seriously reevaluate your priorities. Like, it's that simple. It's like nobody's asking you to do, like, you know, we're not asking you to take, you know, 16 credits, at, at college credits to learn how to reverse any of this stuff. I mean, would it be great if more people put some work into it? Sure. But, like, all we're asking is that, you know, people are not as crappy to their coworkers in general, bottom line, you know? And to me, that just... It, that's the hard thing for me to digest is like, if this is the hill you've chosen to die on, what does that say about you as a person? You know, that like, I, I can't stand for this societal change because I like making my coworkers uncomfortable. Like, really? Come on. You know, that, that to me just seems like a crazy hill to die on. I hope that these conversations are taking place in team facilities and continue to take place. Uh, I've seen some players take the lead and say that they're going to speak up in their locker rooms and that they want to play an active role um, in that. And I think that's great. And I think it also needs to come from team leaders. It needs to come from owners, executives. Uh, it needs to come from the people in power because ultimately those are the ones that control jobs, that control cultures, uh, that allow these kinds of things to either be stamped out uh, or to persist. Uh, that okay certain behaviors or make it clear that they're not acceptable. Um, and so I'd, I'd really, uh, I'm going to be interested in the coming months to see how seriously teams take this um, and uh, if there's actual active steps around the league to address um, this issue. Because it might not be to the degree it was in the Washington organization, but some form of this exists everywhere. And I think that's a good starting point for teams to acknowledge it, not to say, oh, this doesn't happen here, to say, it does, and I just don't know about it, or I haven't taken it seriously, or I don't know how to recognize it. So I think that's a good starting point for teams. 
No doubt. Yeah. And history is not going to let you avoid this, right? I mean, you know, people are going to look back at this time in all aspects of life. But, you know, if you're Washington, you know, you're a bad franchise. You're a bad, unsuccessful organization for myriad reasons. And this is one of them. And it's not like you can go back in this time and point to this and say, well, we had a good culture. I mean, you didn't. And that's evident and obvious to everybody that's looking at this situation. So I don't know. I, uh, I hope that people realize that like, you know, this is not just something that you wriggle out of, you know, it's time, it's time to put the work in a little bit, especially for the people who are in charge of creating the culture. And here's to hoping they do. Absolutely. Well, thanks for the conversation on this important subject, Connor. And we'll be back later this week for, for more discussions. A lot of uh, a lot of heavy topics this off season, but you know it's good. That's what the Weekside Podcast is here for, right? Yeah. What well, I was going to say, like the Weekside Strong something. I don't know, but yeah, we we we've tackled a lot this summer, Jenny. This has been a this has been a heady summer. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has. It's good. What did we say? Twenty twenty, uh, cut the cut the shit or something, <laughs> something along those lines. I forget our own slogan, Connor. Twenty twenty one is the year of or Ventus and America. Just kidding. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening. As always, the MMQB Weekside Podcast is me, Jenny Ventus, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is Director of Editorial Projects and Product. Mark Moravik is Emeritus Executive Director of the MMQB. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. 
I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.